Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Joe of Word of Prayer Cultural Center in Largo, Maryland. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. It is my prayer that you are both blessed and enriched by what you hear. Feel free to share with friends and family, and also feel free to follow us on our social media outlets, Facebook and Instagram. Our social media handle is at Wopsy, W-O-P-C-C. Visit us online at wopsy.church. God bless and happy listening. Yes, indeed. All right, so we're going to go ahead and jump into things uh, today. Let's look at our theme scripture, Hebrews 12, 11. And of course, we're going to start at the ESV, the English Standard Version, and then we're going to look at it in the Amplified, and then we're going to go ahead and get into things, all right? Amen. Okay. Hebrews uh, 12, 11, starting with the ESV. Amen. Has anybody been blessed by discipline training in any way? Amen. Amen. I'm so glad to hear that. I know I have. Uh, what's that song? Encourage yourself. She says, as I minister to you, I minister to myself. So, you know, I'm often reminded, you know, that God is using me. Um, and in his using me, it's not just to bless you, it's to bless me too. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And so, um, thank God, thank God that we are all being impacted by this word. So, Hebrews 12, 11, um, in the ESV, it says this, it says, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it, all right? So this is discipline training because we are learning how to be trained by discipline. If we look at it in the Amplified, the Amplified reads this way. It says, for the time being, no discipline brings joy but seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, right standing with God and a lifestyle and attitude that seeks uh, conformity to God's will and purpose. And again, that's Hebrews 12, 11 in the Amplified. This is discipline training part six. All right, so go ahead and write that down in your notes because I already know you're taking notes. This is Discipline Training Part 6. And last week was so good that God is not finished with it. And so this is Discipline and Distraction 2.0. All right, <laughs> Discipline and Distraction 2.0. You know what 2.0 means, right? Huh? You know what 2.0 means? You ever heard of 2.0? It means we're taking it up a notch. 2.0 is used to denote a superior or more advanced version of an original concept, product, or service. So uh, the only time 2.0 isn't good is when it's a grade point average. Amen. <laughs> yeah, when that's a GPA, then that's BAD. But other than that, it's pretty safe to say that a 2.0 is a good thing. Amen. Amen. I woke y'all up. Finally, y'all done woke up in here. And so today, in Discipline uh, in Distraction 2.0, we're going to do a slight character study uh, on an individual that you may have heard of, um, a character study. So we're literally looking at a Bible character, and we're uh, kind of painting the picture of his life to see what it is that we can extract from the story and apply to ours, to see what it is that we can learn, to see maybe ways that he has been disciplined so that we can keep ourselves from having to be disciplined in the same way, all right? Um, somebody say Samson. That's who I'm talking about today. Uh, Samson, S-A-M-S-O-N. I used to think it was a P in there, but no. It's, it's, it's Samson, not to be confused with Samsung, okay, uh, especially for some of, you know, our Android users uh, with your Galaxy having self, amen. But truth be told, listen to what I found out. Most of us iPhone users have a phone 
that has a panel display produced by Samsung. So we all got a little Samsung in our lives. Amen. <laughs> but today we're not talking about Samsung. We're talking about who? There we go. There we go. All right. So we're all on one accord. Uh, Samson, his story is uh, one that probably is familiar to some of us. Um, his story is one that is often shared in Sunday school lessons uh, in some capacity or Maybe you've heard of him through the years in a sermon or in a teaching of some kind. Perhaps you've never heard of him at all, and that's cool, all right? If that's you, that's cool, because as our dear brother Kevin Darnell Hart told us back in 2011, you're going to what? Learn today. Amen? Amen. So tell somebody, you're going to learn today. There we go. The story of Samson is found in the book of Judges. Why? Because he was a judge, all right? Um, now, for those who know the books of the Bible, or at least the books of the law and the books of history in the Old Testament, you know that we have Genesis, then what? Exodus, then? Leviticus, then? Numbers, then? Deuteronomy. So we talked about uh, the Pentateuch. We mentioned the first five before, all right? And now following that, you have the two J's, so you know those books must mean something. All right, who do you have after Deuteronomy? Joshua, who we've also talked about, and who else? And Judges, okay. So if you've been with us the last couple of months, um, then you know about Deuteronomy. Remember, we broke down the word and the history and everything, and you also for sure know about our man Josh. Uh, also known as Joshua. And we know that Joshua was one of those 12 spies, right, that Moses sent out to spy out Canaan land. Remember, uh, it was Joshua and who else? Caleb. Come on now. That wasn't a trick question. It was Joshua and Caleb. And they brought what kind of report? Was it good or bad? Good. They brought a good report. The other 10, we're not going to talk about their report, but they brought a good report. We know that story, and we know that Josh ended up taking over from Moses when Moses passed away um, as the leader of the Israelites, right? Uh, he was a mighty warrior. Joshua fought the battle at what? Jericho. And we're not even going to mention Ai and Achan. And Joshua experienced victory after victory and conquest after conquest to the point that they took over Canaan and indeed with his leadership they inherited the promised land all right I'm not preaching on Joshua today but we are going somewhere all right so y'all okay with traveling with me amen and I used the word inherited in reference to the promised land because it was literally due to the promise that was made to Abraham back in Genesis. And so I told y'all about how the book of, of Joshua ends with his death and his last speech, if you will, where he tells these people of Israel, the Israelites, he tells them and he urges them not to forget about the God who brought them out of Egyptian bondage. Hallelujah. And not to forget about the God who caused them to experience conquest after conquest, and to not forget about the God who caused them to experience victory after victory and milk and honey that their forefathers laid eyes on from a distance all those years ago. Somebody say, you're going to live to see it happen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so as I was studying, I was blessed in my spirit because what I heard was that what your forefathers saw from a distance, you are destined to experience in real time. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, I don't know about you, but that blessed me. What your forefathers saw from a distance, see, they peeked over the hill and, and they spied out the land, but what they saw from a distance, you are destined to see and experience in real time. Amen. I've been instructed to remind some of you about the isochronos. 
You remember that? That's what we were talking about last year around this time. It's a real-time transfer. And, and what you shall see won't be a preview. Come on, I'm talking to somebody today. Uh-huh. What you're about to experience, beloved, is not a dream. Hallelujah. Though it may seem too good to be true, tell somebody it's not a dream. It's not a dream. It's not a dream. What you are about to experience, you know who you are, is about to be terrifically tangible. Come on. It's going to be something that you can feel. Listen, the forefathers saw it, but God says you're about to taste it. <laughs> yes, Lord. I said the forefathers saw it, but God says you're about to taste it. They saw the milk and honey from a distance, but you're about to see what it's hitting on. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah, I wish I had a witness. This is a word for somebody today, and I hope you're receiving it. This is about to be a season of taste and see, because you've been seeing and generations before you have been seeing, but it's time to taste and see. You won't just be able to see it and tell of what it looks like. You're about to be able to taste it and tell of how it is. Your testimony is about to change in the name of Jesus. Somebody say milk and honey. Don't say that no more. I'm hungry. Amen. Might have to do me a curve. Listen, I'm trying, I'm trying to get through this character study today, and we haven't even gotten started, but I just can't seem to shake that word that we're going to live to see it happen. And Deacon Renee reminded us back in December of Joshua 21, hallelujah, yeah, verses 43, 44, and 45 say, so the Lord gave to Israel all of the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and dwelt in it. 44 says, the Lord gave them rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. Hallelujah! The Lord delivered all of their enemies into their hand. And watch this, 45, not a word failed. Hallelujah. Not a word failed. Hallelujah. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. You better receive it. You better receive it. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Lord. But Josh, somebody say Josh. At the end of the book of which he is named, he is giving them this going away speech. And he kind of makes fun of them. Like, y'all can go serve the gods of the groups of people we defeated if y'all want to. <laughs> he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, that one who fulfilled his promise he made to us? Yeah, that's who we're going to serve. <laughs> Glory to his name. And so we go from the book of Joshua to the book of Judges. And Judges, it starts out talking about Joshua's death. And now the people have no leader, and they don't yet have any kings, but what they do begin to have are judges. Somebody say judges. And I'm not talking about like in the court of law. I'm talking about um, somebody who God raised up to issue warning somebody who God raised up to lead in battle. Uh, these were the judges um, of the Old Testament. Now, the interesting thing is, when Joshua died, while the promise was fulfilled, there were still lingering groups of Canaanites that needed to be driven out. Okay, I'm going to say that again. So Joshua died, and the promise was fulfilled, but there were still lingering groups of Canaanites that needed to be driven out. How many of you know that when the promise is fulfilled, you can take a moment to celebrate, you better build an altar, but you also better know that there is still work to be done. Yeah? Yeah, somebody needed to be reminded of that because you've been in celebration mode for quite a while. And meanwhile, the enemy is running around doing things that you're not even cognizant of. Yeah? And so you can celebrate and you can build an altar, but you also need to know that there's still work to be done. Because there's some lingering Canaanites 
that have to still be driven out. <laughs> and so some of us, you know, we become relaxed in our victorious state and, you know, we reach a spiritual goal and we check something off of our vision board. Uh, you know, we arrive to what was once a desired place of spiritual growth, but there are still some Canaanites that must be driven out. And I'm going to let that hit you where it may. Amen. And so Judges, y'all, if you read it, it's not a happy book. It's not a book filled with a lot of good news. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of gore. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of deceit. There's a lot of filth. There's a, listen, you should probably read this, you know, for those of you who, who like, you know, type of uh, juicy type of, you know, shows and books and things like that. I'm telling you, the Bible, if, if you read the Bible for real, ain't, ain't nothing better. That's why it's a bestseller, amen? <laughs> but... While it's no necessarily or not a lot of good news, it does help set us up for the good news. Yeah, it, it helps to set us up for the good news that is to come. And so the first part of it is about how the Israelites failed at finishing the job. So once Josh left them and he went on, he died, I think it was about 110. Uh, Israelites, they failed failed at finishing the job. And that's what the first part of the book of Judges is about. And the whole reason, y'all, that God wanted the remaining Canaanites driven out was so that the Israelites would not be influenced by their moral corruption and their spiritual practices like the worshiping of idol gods. Yeah? Um, we got to watch who's lingering. I once... Uh, was told that you are either influencing or you're being influenced. Yeah. You're either being influenced or you're influencing. And so we have to be careful of who's lingering because de depending on where we are and how strong we are and where we are on our journey, then they may come in and start to influence. And so check this out. Remember, we talked about Joshua's farewell address, right? And he told him, he told him, listen, y'all can serve them gods of the people who we've, you know, destroyed and taken the land from and defeated if you want to. But he urged them to really serve the Lord. So despite what they had seen, despite Joshua's farewell address, despite what they had experienced and been through with and for God, these Israelites end up essentially co-mingling with the lingering Canaanites. And not only that, y'all, but they adopt their cultural and religious practices. Woo, SMH, that's not good. And so chapter 2 of Judges introduces this vicious cycle that the Israelites go on for years and years. And what would happen is they would sin against God. Then they would experience defeat and oppression at the hands of the lingering Canaanites. Then they would hit rock bottom and see the error of their ways, and they would repent. Then they would be delivered by God through God sending a judge from out of the Israelite population who would defeat the enemy. One of them was Gideon. Y'all remember we talked about him? And so then, guess what? They would experience peace for some time. But next thing you know, they would sin again. They would go against God again. They would experience defeat and oppression again. Then they would realize the error of their ways and repent again. Then they would get a new judge to deliver them. And then they would have peace for a little while. And then they would sin again. And listen, it was a vicious cycle. And they would repeat it time and time again. I think when Jonathan McReynolds wrote that song, he was thinking of the Israelites. <laughs> and so, check this out. Judges talks about how all of the, the sad and, and, and bloody experiences that all of these judges have who end up being corrupt in their own light, but also in spite of their extreme flaws, they're able to be used of God and overtaken by his spirit. Uh, to at some point experience victory. And so the last of the judge gang, 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 the last of 
the judge gang is our buddy who Samson. Mm-hmm. Our buddy Samson. He's the last of the Mohicans, as they say. <laughs> Y'all don't be getting bored by my history lessons, do you? All right. Because sometimes I'm tempted to just jump in. Um, but often when we just jump in, we have no proper contextual consideration. We have no backdrop. And then we have little to no understanding beyond the shout-worthy points of the text. But the word does not say in 2 Timothy 2.15, shout to show yourself approved. It says, study to show yourself approved. So every time I'm up here, somebody say every time, we're going to get a little Bible study. Amen? Amen. Praise the God of the Bible. Amen. Amen. I could shortcut it, but we're taking the long way. Because the long way, there are lessons in the long way. Yeah? <laughs> that is. Yeah, there are lessons in the long way. So really super quick history on Samson. Samson's parents could not have children. Okay? His mom was barren. And much like Jesus, an angel came to her, the angel of the Lord, came to her and told her that she was about to have a son. Um, naturally, though, uh, not immaculately. Samson's daddy um, was the daddy. God was not the daddy, and Samson's daddy was not trying to figure out who the baby daddy was. Amen? Amen. So let's clear that up. So God opens up her womb so that she can deliver Samson, so Samson can deliver the Israelites during his time as judge. Um, it's a, a, a shadow of sorts in regards to the way that Christ will come. Uh, let's go to Judges. We've been talking about Judges. Now let's see what Judges is talking about. Uh, judges chapter 1, we can start at verse 1, and I would like to lift up verses 1 through 5. Um, that's Judges 1, verses 1 through 5. I think I'm going to be in the NLT. Somebody say Samson. Again, the children of Israel, verse 1 says, uh, did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for how many years? For 40 years. Um, now, there was a certain man from Zorah, uh, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children, okay? And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you, have but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of uh, the Philistines. All right. Let's make sure we are together here. Judges, we should be at, I think I said one, we're at 13. Judges 13 and 1. And let's read 1 through 5 together again. Again, the Israel, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So here we are all the way in verse 13. And they have done evil since verse 1. And here they are again being found doing evil evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for how many years? Forty years. That's how I knew y'all weren't with me, but we together now. <laughs> now there was a certain man from Zorah, somebody say Zorah, no Neil Hurston, amen, of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. We're all together in verse 2, right? Verse 3 says this, And the angel of the Lord 
appeared to the woman. Who's the woman? Uh Uh-huh, Manoah's wife. Y'all got it. And said to her, indeed now, you are barren and have borne no children. But, remember that word? That means something's coming that's altogether different. You shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. He cannot go to the barber shop. That's what that means. Amen. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Now let's pause for a clarification point. What in the world is a Nazarite? All right. A Nazarite is an Israelite consecrated to the service of God, under vows to abstain from some things, to abstain from alcohol, to abstain from allowing for their hair to grow, and uh, to avoid defilement by contact with corpses. And you can read all about the Nazarites in number six. Why don't you write that down? Because that would be something good to study this week when you're looking for something to study. That's number six. Go ahead and and get the history of the Nazarites. And so that's just an example where there are a whole long list of things that they must do and things that they must do in case they don't do the things they should do. And so go ahead and read up on that. But, you know, I started to thinking about that thing, though, because what I've learned is that when you are consecrated to the service of God, even today, There are some things that everybody else can do that you just can't do. Thank God going to the barbershop ain't one of those things. You good. Keep on on getting your hair cut unless, you know, God says otherwise. But that's not one of the requirements. But there are some things. Most of them aren't necessarily outward. They're more inward. Um, But there are some things that if you're going to be consecrated to the service of God, there's some things that you uh, might see everybody do, but you can't do. Amen. I expected a quiet church. Live y'all there. 1 Corinthians 10.23, write that one down too. It says this, it says that everything is permissible. But not everything is beneficial, okay? You're permitted to do whatever you like. But that doesn't mean that whatever you like would benefit you. Come on, somebody. There's something I preached about a while ago called spiritual allergies. Spiritual allergies, you know, it's beginning to be allergy season. And there's some stuff that you can be around that I can't be around. Or there's some stuff that I could be around, that you can't be around, depending upon the nature of our system. (laughs) There are some things that your system can tolerate that mine is allergic to. And it doesn't necessarily mean that those things are bad or wrong, but it means they're wrong for me. Come on, somebody. There are some things that you can process and be all right, and for me, it'll mess me up. I wish I had a witness in here. Yeah, yeah, this is why we take the long way. Amen. There are lessons on the long way because I have a different level of consecration to match the level of calling and usability by God. And there are some things that you can and cannot do based off of the responsibility for what you carry. Come on, somebody in here. Listen, even if you used to be all right doing it before, Huh? And so what if God told you to put the cup down? (laughs) Because of what he needs to pour into you so that you can pour into others. Are you abstaining or is alcohol worth your anointing? I'm not talking about everybody. I'm just talking about the ones 
who are saying, ouch, because they know what God told them. But nothing's wrong with, but, the, but, uh, the, but, uh, but what did I tell you? Somebody say, it ain't worth it. it I don't care what it is. It ain't worth it. Mm-hmm, I don't care about the enjoyability of the thing. It's about the sustainability in my proper place. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss God. And so this is why we have to be sensitive to the voice of God. What if I told you even that your devotional is not enough? What if I told you that the passages of scripture that you've been reading is excellent, but it's not enough? What if I told you that God has something to say to Israel, that God has something to say to us now, but God also has something specifically to say to you? <laughs> yeah? Okay, you don't want it. It's all right. I'm giving it to you in obedience to God. We have to be sensitive to the voice of God and the indwelling of the Paracletos, our comforter and our guide, the Holy Spirit. That's why he gave them to us. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God and not just the pages of God. And what if I told you that man shall not rely on the general guidance of scripture only because there is a gift that God gave you in addition to the scripture and it's living on the inside of you and it's tired of being ignored and it's tired of being quenched and it's called... Holy Spirit. Oh God, you're speaking in here. Hallelujah. Somebody praise him for the Holy Spirit. You've been ignoring him long enough and you've been trying to use scripture as your basis. But God says, I've given you in addition to the scripture, my voice for this season. My voice for this. How long will you use God's word against him? There's a consecration. There's a consecration. There's a consecration that comes with this thing. You cannot take the general guidelines and you cannot take the general rules of engagement and meanwhile ignore the personal epistles that God has written on your heart and so see we've been blessed with two powerful gifts of guidance I thank God for them both the Bible in a general sense but when it comes to HS, it's personal. It's personal, yeah? Even while I'm preaching today, and even while I'm reading scripture, because of the fact that you have Holy Spirit on the inside of you, it's connecting to you personally, yeah? This is not hitting everybody the same way. The Holy Spirit is coming in and doing a personal work in you. He's revealing things personally. He's revealing personal matters of your heart even now. He's showing you things that you've been trying to hide, and he's unveiling even now. He's causing you to shine light on things that need to be addressed even now in you and only you. Evangelist Tab said, because that's your business. Stop trying to make your business everybody else's and everybody else's yours. There's a Holy Spirit that is there to help you direct your affairs and handle your business. word was meant to be a tutor to lead us to the ultimate tutor 
And when it comes to tutoring, I might need some help in some areas that you don't need help in. And I might be struggling with some things that you're not struggling with. But that's why he sent HS so now this thing can be made personal. No more group tutoring. This is one-on-one. The veil has been torn. You don't have to go through nobody else. You don't have to get a general word. I have something just for you. And until you fall in line with that thing, you won't be able to fulfill your assignment, and you also won't be able to reap the benefits that are attached to your obedience concerning that thing. And I can take my seat, actually. Because I had a feeling. I'm going to keep going, but I had a feeling we weren't going to get totally through Samson today. We still, we still at his birth. He hadn't even been born yet. He, he hadn't even been born. But this is why we take the long way. Because imagine if I just would have jumped in and all these good lessons would have been missed in the long way. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. And so HS may have a specific regional maybe even seasonal instruction for you that you won't find in the Logos word, but there is a rhema word for your life. In other words, not just what is written, but what is said. He's still speaking. Uh-huh. He didn't finish speaking when the 66 got put together. No, he's still speaking even now today. And he said, he who has an ear, I mean, we all got ears. It doesn't mean physically. It means he who has spiritual cognizance enough to listen. Let him listen. (laughs) Especially those who are walking heavy in this season and he's delivered unto you a kingdom assignment for such a time as this. You better keep your ear to heaven because... I don't see her name, but I'm going to call her Mrs. Manoa from Zora, reminds us that when he delivers something to you, it always comes with instructions. <laughs> yes, Lord. When he delivers something to you, it always comes with instructions. Remember a while ago, the batteries are included, and so are the instructions. Amen. know why God always puts me up to this. (laughs) Moving right along. So what you also can do in your own time is read about all of that in verse 13. You can read verse 13 in its entirety. Basically, sis tells her husband, uh, he believes her that the angel came, but he wants to talk more to the angel of the Lord. And so the angel of the Lord reappears. Um, But Sis is by herself once again, so she runs and gets hubby. They talk to the angel of the Lord, and he then, uh, you know, tells Samson's parents about what's going on. He gives them details, and then, I love it, he tells them to build an altar. (laughs) Yes, Lord Jesus. Ooh, there's so many lessons the long way. I don't think you understood what what I said. All he did was tell them what God was about to do. And then he told him, now go ahead and worship. Yeah, go, go ahead and worship. Go ahead and sacrifice. He said, build an altar. Listen, that thing blessed me so good because I wonder on today, do you have the faith to build an altar and worship the Lord just based off of his word alone? Huh? Or you got to see it to believe it. You're going to sit on your hands until it manifests. You're going to watch everybody else praise him until you consider yourself having something to praise him for. Well, don't you have a word? (laughs) Listen, he gave them the word, and he told them, go ahead and worship. Because they were thankful. They were genuinely thankful, but they were trying to thank who they thought was this man that was coming to them, but he let them know that, no, 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 it's God, and in fact, go get you a sacrifice. Go get you a young bull because it's time to worship. 
for what he's about to do. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And so on the altar, in the midst of the sacrifice, the flame went up toward heaven, and the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame. And surely then they knew who the angel was. Because remember, at first, they just thought it was a man with a message. And so now Samson is born, just as prophesied. Samson, anybody know about him? What was he known for? His strength, yes, indeed. What else? His long hair, that's it. He was known for his strength. He was known for his long hair from which his strength came, we see. Uh, let's see, Judges 14. Let's look at that real quick. Judges 14. Uh, verse 1 of Judges 14 says this, And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now remember, they ain't supposed to be messing with the Philistines now. Come on now, didn't we read about stories of them going against the Philistine army? And so he didn't, he didn't, he didn't seen something he liked in one of the daughters of the Philistines. Verse 2 says, And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I've seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. In other words, I'm trying to wife her up. Amen. Verse 3 says, Then his father and his mother said unto him, is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? In other words, you don't see nobody around here, nowhere, <laughs> no fellow Israelite. And Samson said unto his father, get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Now, verse 3 um, in the ESV, the English Standard Version reads like this, but his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she is right where? In my eyes. <laughs> In my eyes. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but spoiler alert, it ends terribly. You should read it, though. I mean, it ends really, really terribly, as most things do when you just go after what's right in your eyes. Huh? What did I tell you were the two gates? Mm-hmm. 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 There was an intruder at the gates. Uh, Judges 16. Let's go there real quick. 16, I want to look at, we're going to do a little reading, and then we'll be out of here. Judges 16, 4. Now we're talking about, now he, he had quite a few ladies on, on his road, um, and that was the first one we were introduced to, uh, and there were some more, but there's one that became very popular because this was the last one, and this is the one who was literally, or he was to her, ride or die. Because they end up dying together in their sin and in their mess. Her name is Delilah. Somebody say, hey there, Delilah. <laughs> hey there, Delilah. Listen, okay, so NLT puts it this way. Sometime later, Samson fell in love. There you go again. With a woman named who? who lived in the valley of Sarek. Verse 5 says, The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Because if you read now, if you read 13 and stuff, you'll see that when they try to tie that joke up, <clears throat> The scripture says that, I mean, it'll, it'll be these strong ropes, and he would break them as if they were thin as, as some yarn or some type of material like that. He was strong, okay? And so the enemy is trying to figure out the root of his strength. And so since he wants to mess with these <laughs> enemy women, then they say, okay, he then came in our camp. Listen, entice him so that he can tell you his secret so that you can tell us. Woo, Jesus, that, that enemy is crafty, boy, I tell you. It says, look, then each of us 
will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So in other words, we, you know, we're going to break you off. Don't worry. It's some minute for you too. So Delilah said to Samson in verse 6, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. You know, when your wife asks you something like that, you're just supposed to, oh, you know, people don't know, but what it would take is X, Y, and Z. But Samson, he replied, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah, what, seven new bowstrings, and she tied Samson up with them. Nine says she had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house. Come on, this is his wife. But what do you expect when you sleep with the enemy? She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of her house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings. Go ahead, strong Samson. As a piece of string snaps when it is burned by fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. All right? He's smarter than we thought he was. Verse 10. Afterward, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now please tell me, how can you be tied up securely? Now he should have known something. Why you keep pressing me about how, oh man, they say love is blind. Verse 11 says, and there's something else I want to point out. I didn't plan to stop here, but something else I want to point out, because if you look in scripture, you'll find where Samson loved Delilah, but you'll never find where Delilah loved Samson. And that's some of our problems. We endeavor, even if it means crossing into territory where we don't belong, because of the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. The Listen, we cause those things to allure us into loving something or someone that doesn't love us back. Let me stop there because I think I do have a note about that later on. When somebody loves you back. <laughs> Verse 11. Samson replied, if I were tied up with brand new ropes. <laughs> that had never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took what? New ropes and tied him up with them. The men were hiding in the inner room as before, and again Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again, Samson did what? Snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread. 13 says, then Delilah said, you've been making fun of me. And telling me lies. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. Samson replied, if you were to weave the seven braids of my hair. Come on, somebody. If you were to give me a good old braid out. Into the fabric of your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle. I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids of his hair into the fabric. Verse 14 says, then she tightened it with the loom shuffle. Again, she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, and yanked his hair away from the loom and the fabric. <laughs> 15, then Delilah pouted. Uh-oh. You know, women after someone, they get to pout. <laughs> I'm just playing. Delilah <laughs> pouted. How can you tell me? I can just imagine how dramatic sis was. I mean, extra in distress, you know, probably just went in the bathroom in the mirror real quick, got disheveled, you know. How can you tell me? I love. 
when you don't share your secrets with people. You know, you know when the voice go out, that's when you know it's real. When you got to read the lips for the last part. <laughs> you made fun of me <laughs> three times now, and you still hadn't told me what makes you so strong. 16 says, she tormented him with her nagging. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> okay? I ain't said nothing. Huh? She tormented him with her nagging. Day after day. Until he was sick to death of it. Jeez. That's some strong lyrics right there. 17 says this. Finally, finally, fi finally. Yeah. Samson shared his real secret with her. He said this. My hair has never been cut. He confessed. Uh-oh. For I was dedicated to God. This is TMI for the enemy. He's trying to get you to tell him, you know what I'm saying? As a Nazarite from birth, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. And I would become as weak as anyone else. 18 says, Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time. I know by this time they were through with her. Well, listen, we don't want to hear that no more. You didn't have us come three times. Three strikes you out, Delilah. Come, come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with money in their hands. Okay, because remember they promised her a stack or so. Verse 19 says, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. Whew. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Christmas. There's, oh man, there's so much here. Because one of the questions I begin to ask myself, what laps are we laying in for comfort? for what we perceive or label as love, for the idea of companionship. In today's time, for status, or maybe for a social media aesthetic, whose laps are we laying in? For reasons such as that, not even realizing or choosing to ignore that it's the lap of the enemy. Hmm. And so his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And I can imagine she said it a little differently this time. When he woke up, he thought, hmm, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Oh, God. Never do I want my story to be that the Lord left me. Woo, Jesus. Never can Ichabod set in here. Look that up while you're studying this week. Never. There won't be a place of godliness or godlessness in here. And so 21, so the Philistines captured him and gulched out his eyes. Ooh. Since you like to look at things you have no business looking at. 
See, the enemy knows how to take your eyes out spiritually and physically, apparently. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. We praise God for 22, but before long, his hair began to grow back. But today, the reason that I wanted to bring out this biblical example is because one of the things that we talked about on last week are the eye gates. You may think, what, what does Samson have to do with me? But I'm here to tell you on this morning that you too have spiritual strength. Supernatural strength even that God wants to use to help deliver his people. It may be his people in your family. It may be his people in your neighborhood. It may be, Brian, his people on your job. Huh? But you have supernatural power and you have supernatural strength. And so what the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to get you to give up your birthright. That's what Samson had. He had a birthright. He had a particular right of possession or privilege that one has from birth. When we are born again, man, oh man, I don't care what you were born with naturally. I don't care what type of family you were born into, what mama had or didn't have. When you are born again, there's a birthright, a right, a privilege that comes with that. Samson loved Delilah, but Delilah didn't love Samson. And so don't let your eyes lure you to people, places, and things that are taking from you and not giving to you. There are some leeches in the camp often. There are some people who are sucking up your energy, sucking up your resources. And so the word to the wise today is identify your Delilahs. They're attractive. They look good. And they may even make you feel good. They might boost your pride. But while it boosts my pride, is it connected to my purpose? And I begin to ask God, why was cutting his hair a big deal? Why did he lose his power? I mean, out of all the things that he did, and why did he lose his power once the hair was cut? Well, don't you remember what the instruction was that was given to Manoah and his wife? It's because it was a part of purpose. It was a part of the agreement that God made concerning him. Don't breach the agreement. I don't care if it seems insignificant. The hair, cutting the hair, that don't even make sense. It don't got to. If it's a part of what God says and you decide to breach it, that's called a forfeit. Don't breach the agreement. The devil is in the details. Don't breach the agreement. Partial obedience is disobedience. Don't breach the agreement. What's the agreement? Whatever Holy Spirit has said to you. And definitely don't let the enemy cause you to breach the agreement. Get out of Delilah's lap. Jesus. Some of you know exactly what that means. Get out of Delilah's lap. Samson was powerful, but he had an eye problem. He was powerful, but he had an eye problem. Remember in chapter 14, 3, his words to his parents says, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. 
If he was going by what was right in God's eyes and not his, he would have never wound up in Delilah's lap. So watch this. This means that what's in your eyes can distract you from the purpose that God put in your heart. Yeah? Watch those eye gates. What are you looking at? Remember last week? What are you looking at? And so I say to you, I encourage you to stay strong, to keep your eyes on Christ. You are working with something special. Everybody's not working with what you're working with. And people are going to want to know what that special thing is that they can't put their hands on concerning you. But you got to know that it's not the thing that people see. It's not the hair, whatever the hair is to you. It's not the thing that people marvel at when they look at you or when they watch you operating your gifts or when they watch you operate in some sort of talent or ability. It's not just an outward display, but your strength is in your obedience. Your strength is in your discipline. Amen? Get out of Delilah's lap. Fix your eyes on the prize. The scripture says we press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. There's nothing worse than a discipline that has been distracted. Amen? Let's give God praise. That's the word of the Lord today. Come on, let's give God praise. God, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for this word. Listen, if, if, if you didn't get anything specifically out of Samson, while we took the long way, I know it was something that blessed your life. Hold on to that this week. Don't let it go. Don't allow this just to be today's experience. I gave you a few things to study and to meditate on this week. I gave you a term. I gave you a passage of scripture. Really do that. Do that this week. Go back and look. You might even want to listen again now that you have the history. Then go to the podcast and listen. Amen? Let's get this word in our hearts. God has given it to us. So it's worth taking. Hallelujah. And so today, before we close out, we don't want to take for granted that everybody in the room, as well as everybody who is saved or who is watching, excuse me, is saved of God. And so if you're watching and you're not sure of your salvation or if you're in the room and you're not sure if you are saved, then we always want to close out by giving that opportunity. And so we are going to pray a prayer. And if you repeat after me and really believe it in your heart, then you are the saved of God. Why do we do this every week? Because this is what it's all about. Saving souls. And so the word says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, that means even you, shall be saved. The word says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you are saved. And so, repeat after me, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you as a sinner in need of your salvation. Come into my heart, cleanse me, make me new. Father, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you raised your son Jesus from the dead. I believe that he rose on the third day with all power in his hands. I believe that he is now seated at your right hand interceding for me. I am saved in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, give it up in case somebody received Jesus today. If that's you and you're watching, just type, I'm saved. Um, there is a second thing that we never want to miss out on, and that is uh, the fact that God wants us saved, but he also wants us in fellowship with other people who are saved. And so he designed uh, these spiritual gifts. One of them is a pastor because he wanted you to have one. And so if you are in the room or if you're watching and you would like to become a part of the Word of Prayer Cultural Center family, a place where you can learn and grow, 
a place where you can have other brothers and sisters to do this thing with because God does not desire for us to do it alone, then today could be your day. All you have to do is if you're here in the room, wave your hand so we can acknowledge you. And if you're watching, type, I'm part of the family so that we can acknowledge you. And as simple as that, you are in, you are a part of the Wapsie family and you are a part of what God is doing in us even now. And so let's give it up just in case that's anybody on the live today. Amen. God is good. God is good. Thank you for watching. We pray that you were blessed. And uh, we've been having an amazing, amazing time uh, in Bible study. We just did a three-part series on self-control. And now Bible study, it'll be by then a new month. And we are starting something new. March is Women's History Month. And so during the month of March, in our hour of power, our virtual Bible study, we will have some powerful women of Wapsi to teach us about some powerful women of the Bible. Amen? Is that all right? So we're going to be highlighting some awesome women of the Bible. We will see you Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. God bless you.